Welcome back, everybody, to Terror and Tacos. I'm pretty sure that John hates it when we (laughs) use rock intro, so I'm going to stop right now, and I'm just going to use applause. Uh, I think John's jealous of rock intro. Do you think so? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) Just so people know... John Flores, my husband, is one half of Jim John Make Noise, and right now he's he's done like a little solo project. Oh, yeah, just yeah. That. Let the there people it is. Let listen. Let the people hear. Yeah, yeah, but it's not Coca Cola. No, it's uh, today. I have Dr Pepper Zero. Oh, how is that? Uh, for as far as the zero drinks go, it's good. Yeah, it's not as good as real Dr Pepper. No, but it, but nothing it's, is. It, yeah, but it's good. Not even Dr Thunder. Not even Dr Thunder. <laughs> no, not even Dr Thunder. Um, yeah, and he's got like a little solo project right now, John Flores, and he he you know because he still makes me mix CDs. Yeah, awesome. So he made me some CDs of his solo stuff, and it's called Detective Sketches. Perfect. So if people are interested in listening to Detective Sketches, let us know, and we'll you know I'll make sure he puts it up in the SoundCloud or whatever. Um, Hi, Michael. Hello, Christy. We are Terror and Tacos, where we talk about horror movies and we eat tacos. We do eat tacos. A lot of the time. So many tacos. Yeah. And so today um, we're going to talk about Midnight Mass Mm -hmm. from Mike Flanagan. And uh, (laughs) I thought you had a great, you said, you know, Mike Flanagan is like, a beloved, a staple. beloved staple, staple in horror. So let's get a beloved staple in in uh, in, te- tacos. in tacos. Yeah, and, we and got so, torchies. We got torchies um, because we love torchies. They're so yeah. like like Mike Flanagan. Yes, torchies has a lot of variety. They do, and like Mike Flanagan, they started small and grew up to take over the world. I mean, I probably have said this on on the podcast before, but I mean, torchies. When I lived in Austin. Torchies was a, a trailer. Yeah. And you had, on the weekend, you would wake up early, which, you know, when I was younger was not a thing. Much easier to do. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and like, we would go wait in line sometimes for over an hour yeah. to go to this trailer, this food trailer, mm-hmm. food truck, whatever you want to call it. It was a trailer. Uh, and that was Torchies. And was now, it on Congress? Uh, I on think it was or? on, con- I think it was on Congress or... Lamar? Yeah, on, yeah, Congressman Lamar. And uh, yeah, in South Austin, which is where I lived. And it was like a thing we would do every weekend, sometimes during the week, but the weekend it was like, I'm going to mm-hmm. wake up early, going to get some breakfast tacos. And now they're all over Texas and right. I think in other states. Yeah. So. And I think it's it's apt because the, you know, the the mascot of Torchies is a devil. Yes. So it's it's sort of perfect. It's sort of perfect for this. Um, we don't want to spend a lot of time on the tacos because it is midnight mass. It's it's an episode show, so we're we have a lot to say about yeah. it. But I had a fried avocado taco. Yes. And it's so delicious, so good. Yeah. We also had the chips and queso. I had the brush fire, which is like sp- you know spicy chicken. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's great. Uh, I usually have the broad church. The broad church. <laughs> I don't know why I call... It should be called the, the Broad Church. What is it? It's the Crossfire. Yes. Is it? No, no. Brush you, Fire. Brush Fire. You had the Brush Fire. I had the Brush Fire. I have the Crossroads. <laughs> crossroads. That's it's it. It's the Crossroads. It's the brisket. But I'm doing a vegetarian thing right now. But it should right be now. called the Broad Church. It should be called the Broad Church. I have no idea why. It just why. makes you sad and... <laughs> yeah. You open the tortilla and there's a kid there's at the bottom. There's a dead <laughs> I'm sorry. That's awful. Um. Yeah. Okay. So... First off, uh, spoilers, spoilers, y'all. Spoilers. y'all. We, tr- we, we tried. We, yeah, we have 
uh, put this off because we wanted people yeah. to have a chance to watch the show yes. before we talked about it. But we feel like we've given people enough yeah. time to watch Midnight Mass. I mean, Aspen and I, it came out on a Friday a few weeks ago. On that Saturday, we watched the entire show. Yeah. We watched, watched all seven episodes. I watched the whole thing. Like, we watched the whole thing back to back. Yeah. And uh, I, did, I didn't know what it was about. I didn't either. Uh, you know, the trailers just made it look like... Um, Creepy small Haunty. town with yeah. a, with a, obviously Catholic overtones. overtones. But I thought I did think it was going to be more like ghosty. Me too, because that's what Mike Flanagan does really, really, really well. Yeah, especially his other Netflix series uh-huh. have been you know Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Bly Manor. Uh-huh. So it, well, joke was on us. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, and honestly, we will talk about what it's about, uh, but um. I was stunned that no one, it, 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 it had not leaked in any way. No. Because it is about something very different. Very, than, very than different. What we thought. And it takes, well, I don't know. It takes maybe one or two episodes for you as a viewer to like really confirm, oh, sure. this is what this is about. Yeah. And then really, I think you can start to see it coming in probably episode two, but it's really the end of episode three uh-huh. where he tells you, this is, what, this we're is doing. what we're doing. I have to say, and I, you know, it's not because I'm smarter, but it's, I have seen every single iteration of Dracula, it yeah. seems like. And so at the end of episode one, where, where, you know, there's that scene where he knocks on the chest and yes. something knocks back. I was like, oh, yeah, this is what we're doing. Yeah. And so ultimately, we already said spoilers, right? Yeah. This is a bold take on the vampire myth or yeah. legend through the lens of Catholicism. Catholicism and I think through the lens of, of religious obsession. And they never in once general. they never once use the word vampire. No. Not once. So let's talk a little bit before we talk about um oh, let's talk a little bit about why the title of the show is so clever. Yes. Right? So for those of you who don't know, I can't imagine anybody doesn't know that sure. Midnight Mass. But maybe some people don't. Okay. Midnight Mass in Catholicism, and I'm sure in other denominations. Sure. Um, sure. I don't know about other denominations. <laughs> um, uh, takes place on Christmas Eve. Uh-huh. And it's when you go to church on midnight uh-huh. because Catholics believe that Jesus was born at midnight. Sure. On In fucking December. In fucking December <laughs> before a Gregorian calendar was here. But anyway, okay. Um, anyway, you go to midnight mass and to celebrate the birth of mm-hmm. Jesus. But it's also super clever because this doesn't take place during Christmas. No. This takes place during Easter, which is actually the more important holiday in Catholicism. Yeah, far more important. And I, I assume, I again, I don't know about other denominations, but I assume that's the case in, in most of the Protestant sects as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Easter... Yeah, it's great that the dude was born, but without Easter, that's the basis of the fucking religion, right? right? But Protestants don't really pay as much attention to Jesus as much as we... Am I wrong about that? I think they pay attention in a different way. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think... um, I have no idea. I'm sorry, Protestants. You know, like, I I just know, like, even in the neighborhood I live in on Easter, there are many, many crosses with he is risen. Zombie Jesus. 
on them. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure I don't, I'm pretty sure those aren't Catholics. Yeah. Um, it's true. Yeah. So, so anyway, <laughs> so yeah, it takes place in, so you you sort of go in thinking this is going to be around Christmas time. Right. It's not. It is not. It's, it's, it's um, not. yeah, it's through Lent and through Easter, Palm Sunday, Which is of perfect. course, Good Friday, all yeah. that. Um, and it is a, about resurrection yeah in a way which is also like super great because i mean i'm just gonna say it if you were a catholic kid Uh uh-huh and you had any type of imagination sure right as all 10 year old kids do Mm -hmm. right and you were sitting in church at the age of 10 listening to what they were telling you about um eternal life and Uh the resurrection and the blood of christ and the body of christ um there was a moment in your life where you were sitting in that pew going like, hold on a second. Uh-huh. Hold on. Wait, we're talking about, so I'm actually drinking the blood of Christ because let's not forget. Right. This is not a metaphor. No. In the church. Transubstantiation, Transubstantiation bitches. Transubstantiation, bitches. It, you are literally drinking the blood of Christ. Yeah. Is what they're telling you. And eating the body of and Christ. And eating the body of Christ. And so at the moment where the priest holds up the Eucharist and the bells go off, yeah. it becomes the, the yeah. body of Christ and same thing with the wine. And so you're a kid sitting there going like, hold on, if I'm drinking the blood of Christ uh-huh. and I will have eternal life, yep. does that make me a vampire? Absolutely. Every kid. Every kid. And Mike Flanagan uh, obviously was a 10 year old Catholic kid uh-huh. at some point. You don't um, ask those questions in church though. No, you don't turn to your dad and be like, so am I a vampire? Yeah, You don't bring it up in Sunday school either. Or no. those nuns get you. But like, it is a thing we all thought. Yeah. And so I love the fact that he, <laughs> he took that yeah. and just kind of ran, ran with, it. with it. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't even know how to start. Well, I mean, so you start, Look, it's a small town. It's an island, right? Which right. I also think is important. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very small island. It has like population a hundred and something. So people have been leaving the people island. have been leaving the island because there's there was an oil spill and fishing seems to be the only the main way of life way of life there, and so that has started to disappear. People are fleeing, but we have our main character. The person we think will be our main character, Mm -hmm. I should say, the person we think is the protagonist uh, for several episodes, he grew up there, Yeah, went off to Chicago, I think he says, the big, big city. To to do something in IT and tech. Yeah, make money. Make money. Um, And killed someone in a drunk driving accident Mm -hmm. and has served several years in jail, Uh in prison. And as part of his parole... He is released to the his, cust- his, yep, his not parents. custody, but to I guess the custody yeah, of, his, of parents. his parents. Yeah, that's part of so his. So he parole. has to go back to this tiny, tiny island. island, and it's it's not just oh wow, a branch just fell off that fucking tree. Anyway, sorry. Um, so it's it's not just the oil spill. I'm I'm just going to venture to say that yes, there's been an oil spill. People have lost their livelihood, but I think. Part of it is also that children are growing up sure. and wanting to leave. They want to get the hell out. They want to get the hell out because it's so small. And like, I remember having that feeling as a young person about my tiny community, and, right? And I, Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. I think it's important because we sort of, the first group we follow on the island is a group of children. Yeah. And like, 
man, they have to go. We're always talking about islands within the island, right? Yeah. Like, like in caveat, there's a tiny little island mm-hmm. that you can row to. Right. And like, that's where they have to go to smoke weed. That's yeah, where they have to, to go to party. smoke cigarettes, to drink. Right. That's their only fucking option. That's their option. only fucking option. And the, the island is, is populated by cats. Yes. The tiny island is populated by cats. Like all these crazy cats that somehow got on the island. Yeah. I don't quite remember how the I mean, cats like, got like, on the island. Yeah. But, and they now have reproduced and are like fucking feral right. out it's there. It's like cats instead of Mustangs or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so yeah, we follow this kid and he is part of like the little nuclear family that we are following through the whole yeah uh, the, story. The guy who the guy who killed the woman in, his, in, his is his brother. old yeah it's it's the boy is is his little right. brother and it's him and his little friend not little friend they're teenagers sure and you know they're biking across the island they 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 stop by this other house and there's a young woman sitting on the porch uh-huh. and she is in a wheelchair so she's disabled right and or she's differently abled I should say and and the little boy the clearly little boy has a huge crush on clearly her. has a crush on her yeah and and. But she can't go with she them. She can't go with them. Right. Because um, she's in the wheelchair. Yeah. So she can't get on the little rowboat that, that will take them to the tiny island. Right. <laughs> also, you kind of get the feeling that there's a little bit of stigma there because her mom comes out on the porch and sees who she's talking to. Yeah. And goes, Lisa, come inside. Yeah. Or whatever. And I think it's, again. It has to do with the, Riley. Yes. Riley. Riley uh, Flynn. Riley Flynn. So fucking. So fucking I just Irish. wrote a script with a character named Riley Flynn and I was right. like, God damn it. Flynn You're on again. the right path. Yes. Um. Yeah, the brother killed someone and uh-huh. that has created a stigma around the family. Yeah. Uh, while this is going on, mm-hmm. our, the person, Riley, right. who, who we believe to be the protagonist, he's come back. Um, the, th- there is a Catholic church in town. A tiny one. A tiny one, but everyone seems to be a member of this church. Like this, except, except the Muslim Sheriff. sheriff and mm-hmm. his little boy, uh-huh. his son, who's a teen. teenager. Yeah. Yes. Also hangs out. Hangs out. With, yeah. yeah. And there will even the other, one of the other kids is like, he's the sheriff's son. He's going to rat us out. He's like, dude, I'm not going to fucking rat you out. Like, yeah. come on, let's go get some, smoke some weed. Right. Um, at the Catholic church, they have had the same priest for many, many decades. Monsignor yeah. Pruitt. Monsignor Pruitt, who... As a group, they sent to the Holy Land. Right. He has gone to the Holy Land to, I don't know, for a priest conference or something. Yeah, priest conference. Yeah, sure. Who knows what they do? I don't know. Well. The town raised money Uh and, and, and sent this very old priest to the Holy Land for a, yes, with a travel group. I don't, yeah, like you said, the, the priest has not returned. Right. So they haven't had church. Right. But they're expecting him to, to be back. Right. And so they go, I can't remember who it is, but in the first episode, it's Bev Keen. Fucking Bev Keen. Fucking Bev Keen, who is like the deacon of the church and is the fucking nosy busybody. She is the worst. And I I think I have told you several times, you're probably sick of me saying it, but she seriously triggers me. Like every time she was on screen, like my stomach would hurt and it just brought back 
horrible memories. Because we all because we all, we all if knew you this grew person. up Catholic, yeah. you knew we Beth knew this King. smug, fucking superior, passive aggressive, and at the same time deeply sad deeply sad and broken and also knows the bible way better than you yeah so, so you, can't you can't argue, argue, with, argue with her it's so fucking frustrating <laughs> yeah. so fucking yeah. frustrating but anyway so she's going to the port right to go meet the ferry yeah that monsignor pruitt is supposed yeah, to be because there are two ferries to the mainland and that's it that's it and so she goes and there is no one, Monsignor Pruitt's not there. Right. Like he's not there. But you do see, you do see a younger priest yeah. getting off the ferry uh-huh. with a giant chest. With a giant chest, played by one Hamish Linklater. Oh my God. He's uh, so good. Star of theater and screen. His mother is, I What's mean. What's her name, Linklater? Uh, Kristen Linklater. Kristen Linklater. Probably the most famous voice coach in the history of the world. Everybody studies yeah. Linklater. Linklater. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, old priest isn't there. Bev is like, I am concerned. She is concerned and annoyed. She's yeah. like, I told him to take. It's clear, like she has sort of. I feel like she has set up this trip and everything. Like right. she and takes she, care of the she priest. She takes care of Monsignor Pruitt. Yeah, and because he's old. And I mean, you said something really, really interesting a little while ago, where you were like. Part of the reason that she is so frustrating and part of the reason that you also feel sorry for her yeah. is because she has dedicated her life, right, mm -hmm. to a religion, mm -hmm. a culture that will not allow her to be the leader of a community yeah. because she's a woman. Yes. Even though she is more than capable. Yes. I mean, in, in, a, ju in a just world, yeah. she would have been a priest. Yeah. And don't come at me and say, well, she could have been a nun. It's not the same it's thing. It's not the same thing at um, all. Not at all. No. Uh, so, okay. We get to, oh, when Riley comes back, we have another sort of prodigal child, right? Right. Um, who was clearly, they were a couple when they were young. Mm -hmm. She, she got out. Right. And like, was like going to go to Hollywood. She was going to be an actress. Everybody yeah. thought she was going to be an actress. Her mom was an alcoholic. Yeah. Terrible. And, a, a, and just a neglectful. And so she ran away at like, sounded like at like 16. Yeah. Really young. Yeah. She's played by Kate Siegel. Siegel, right? Yeah. Um, who is Mike Flanagan's, Flanagan's wife. wife. Yeah. yeah. She in, in haunting of Hill house. She plays the sister that wears the gloves yeah. all the time. Yes. And is in everything. Yeah. He, I mean, great. Uh, she's come back. She it, got married uh -huh. to an abusive husband. Mm -hmm. She is pregnant. She escaped because I mean, to protect her, to protect her, unborn, her unborn, child. unborn child. Yeah. And so she has come back to this, Island and her mom has died. Her mom has died. Yes, yes. Um, she's the teacher at the school mm -hmm. and has come back, and they, so they obviously reconnect, right? Yeah. Um, Ry I mean, Riley and Aaron. Right. It's so. It is clear. It's so clear to me that Mike Flanagan is a huge. I mean, we all know this is a huge, huge fan of Stephen King. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, yeah. this story and a lot of his stories, but this one in particular to me unfolds. In yes. a, like like Stephen King's epic tales, yeah, like yeah, the stand or needful things, or yeah, that's like a little Salem's Lot yeah, thrown in there. Sure. Exactly. I mean, so 
if we skip around and jump around talking about characters, it's because we're not talking about one protagonist. We're talking about a community of folks. Yes. And okay. So they're back. Everyone's back. Where's the fucking old priest? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. They come to mass Mm -hmm. and there's a young priest. Father Paul. Father Paul, who is Hamish Linklater. Yeah. And And they're all kind of like, Hey, what's going on? And he's like, I know. You didn't expect to see me here today, <laughs> but I am just taking care of this community until That's Father Pruitt. That's really good. Thank you. Thank you. That's really That's good. That's my Hamish Linklater. I wish I looked like Hamish Linklater and had his hair. But um, so he <laughs> says, hey, don't, I know you didn't expect me. But he's sick. Yeah. Father Pruitt is ill. He's on the mainland. He's going to get better. But the, the, the diocese sent me sent me and i'm ex- i'm excited to i'm be excited here. to be here um and you but know but he has this weird chest that he carried off the boat Christy. right <laughs> exactly and he has the little like he lives in the little um i guess rectory that's behind yeah the church right that it's like just a one room yeah and bev can kind of come and go yeah, like she has, got, key. she has keys she to has it. keys to it and so and um, that's where we see that scene where like they're dragging the chest yeah. into the, into the little house. And then, um, he knocks on it and, and something, and, and knocks, something back. knocks back in the meantime. So th- I'm sorry, y'all, but no, we're, we're going to jump. It's a complex a show. There's a lot going so on. So in the meantime, the kids are at the cat Island, right? <laughs> yeah. Getting, hashtag cat Island. Hashtag cat Island. That's my new band name. <laughs> and they're getting high and getting drunk. Just doing what kids do. Yeah. And, um, it's dark and you see all the eyes of the cats. I loved yeah. this. Like all the cats, like the feral cats like, in the woods, like in the bushes or whatever. And they're like, hey, those are all the cats or whatever. Like that hunchy cat that's right next to you. Um, and then there's one particular set of eyes <laughs> that kind of like floats up yes! in the darkness. Oh, fuck. And they're like, what the fuck was that? And then they hear another cat go like, Lair! yeah. And it kind of sounds like, oh, like cats having sex or whatever. And so they kind of just like dismiss it. Yeah. But you know something else. Yes. That is not a not feral a, cat. Not a cat. <laughs> is on the island. Yes. But we and don't know what it is. And if you put two and two together, you assume it's the thing that was in the box. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is all set up for, I think, God, episode one or two. I get confused as to where there's a, sto- there's a storm coming. Uh-huh. And when the storm comes, we're told this, when there's a bad storm, things from the tiny little island often wash, wash up, up on, on shore. On shore. And when they wake up in the morning, first Riley thinks he sees the old priest on the beach yeah, during the running, storm. Like running through the storm. And he's like, storm. What's, fa- what's he doing? Riley was an altar boy. Oh, yeah. To Father Pruitt. He's very concerned. He's uh-huh. like, what? there's a sick old man. He runs out of the house. He can't catch him or whatever. Anyway, wake up the next morning and the beach is covered in dead cats. Right. And you're like, okay, something's fucking what going is on. happening? Right. Yeah. So it's okay. I'm going to mention, I have to say this. Riley does not want to go back to church. No. Riley he, no longer believes in God. He is no longer Catholic. Prison made him an atheist. Prison made him an atheist. And he also has, he carries tremendous guilt about yes. what he did and he is daily 
visited, let's just say, yeah. by the ghost of the young woman. He is haunted that he, by this haunted woman by. that he killed. Yeah. yeah. So he no longer believes that the, 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 the church can help him in this or whatever. And so it's important to note that. Yes. Yeah. It's no, that's a huge thing. It's important to note that the sheriff is Muslim, so he doesn't go to church. Correct. Even though they keep trying to get him to go. Right. And um, because, because here's the thing, is that... <laughs> Both spoilers, whatever. Yeah, no, I mean. Riley goes to church, but he doesn't go up and take communion. Right, which is like a whole, oh man, you want to talk about like a thing that sort of sets you off. It's such a weird thing because once you've left the church, eventually you have to go back. You have to go back for a funeral, for a funeral. or it's a almost, wedding. It's always this. a wedding or a funeral, right? Um, and as you get older, far more often a funeral. Yeah. And so then the question becomes at a funeral, do you get up and take communion or do you not? And like, I remember the first time it happened to me was when my, uh, my mother's father died when I was in college. My grandfather died when I was in college. And that's when I was like, fuck the church. Right. And it came to communion. And I just remember my father turning to me and saying, now is not the time for you to right. make your stand. Right. And I was like, yep. And I got up, I was like, why would I upset Right. My mother, that, whose father had just died. You know, so I took fucking communion. That exact <laughs> thing happened to me I, at, at, a, at a family member's funeral where you are sitting there and you're going, do I, because everybody's getting up to take course. communion. And if you don't get up, it is, it's very clear why, why? you're yeah. not getting up to go. Yes. Right. Yes. You're not and hiding anything. You're, yeah. And so everybody knows. Yeah. Everybody knows. And so you just, yeah, I, I got up and I took yeah. communion. I was like, yeah. And I mean, the way my father put it, my dad's super cool. I mean, he's, he's sort of the one that was actually very cool when I decided to leave the church. But he was like, this is, you're going to upset your mother for this bullshit? Right. So you don't believe it. In this, though, they are adamant, at least the father, played by the great Henry Thomas, mm -hmm. is adamant, you don't take it. Because right. if you do, you're, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Yeah. And it's an right. insult to everyone here. Right. And, and I also have to mention that it's like, um, if you haven't, if you haven't gone to confession, if you haven't been to church, if you haven't like honored that sacrament yeah. of like first Holy communion, first Holy communion, y'all. Yeah. It, it is a hypocrisy to get up and, yeah. and, 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 so, and do it. So Henry Thomas is very adamant about it, Riley not doing it. Right. Um, his mom, let's talk about that couple for a little bit. So Henry Thomas and I don't know the actress's name who play Riley's parents, parents are that, God, they reminded me of some of my siblings so much because it's just, like, it's that Catholic couple that, that they are able to somehow remain Catholic in the face of all of the atrocities that you hear that the big Catholic church yeah. commits and that they are not on board with those things, right? They're not on board with those things, but they are somehow able to remain Catholic and faithful and they're good people. Yeah. It's this ability to somehow separate the faith from the organization of the church. 
um, which is that I could never do. No, I couldn't either. I and could obviously, never I mean, do I have, it. Most of my family members are that, um, but they are good people. They also listen to kick-ass seventies music. They do. Uh, they do. I love that scene where he gets up and yeah, plays was, the Neil Diamond and they're dancing he together. Has a, he has a. Uh, they have that couple has a kick-ass vinyl collection. They do. <laughs> which, they do. It's which pretty I love. great. I love that family actually. Yeah, and I also love that their house hasn't. Um, I mean, it still looks like it's you know kind of like. 1980 something and the boy's room uh the boy riley's room looks exactly the same there's a fucking x-files poster there's hanging a on the wall. Poster. there's a screen poster it's like it's it's, it's flanagan 90s kid it's perfect yeah. um yeah i mean should we just get to the big turn yeah i guess yeah. i mean i don't i don't know how to proceed i have so many questions so eventually for you. i mean eventually at the end of episode three uh okay sorry one other thing one other thing Part of Riley's parole uh-huh. is that he has to attend AA. AA. And so he is every week getting on the ferry and going to the mainland. Right. Father Paul Hamish Linklater says, I, I can start an AA chapter on the island. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to, to get do on the ferry. This. Yeah. And he's like, it'll be easier for you. It'll give us a chance to talk. And he's like, between you and me, uh, Monsignor Pruitt is, isn't coming back. And, and so, because at first Riley is like, well, you're not going to fucking be here. Yeah. So what good is so it? So what good is it? And he's like, no, no, no. Um, yeah. I, I lied. I lied. Yeah. Uh, I wanted, they, I knew what they wanted to hear. We then not surprisingly <laughs> discover that father Paul is Monsignor Pruitt. Right. Okay. So, okay. So, all right. Okay. So before we get to, I, I just want to say I want to talk about a few other characters. So there is the doctor. Oh God, Annabeth Gish. Yeah, Annabeth Gish, who plays the doctor of the town, who does not attend. She doesn't attend church. And her mother is suffering from like advanced dementia, Alzheimer's, you know, whatever. And so there's that. Yes. Right? Yeah, that's very important. (laughs) And then there is Joe Colley. Yes. Who is kind of the town drunk. Right. Yes. And nobody likes him because because there was a horrible accident. He Lisa, the little girl who is in the wheelchair yeah. and her parents are super devout. Yes. Uh, but they're like the Flanders of the town yeah, like man. Ned and whatever yeah. Flanders. Um, she was shot. Yeah. And she, there was an accident. Joe Colley shot her in her spine while he was drunk while he was drunk. And so she, that's why she can't walk. Yeah. And as a result, Joe Colley is just this like town drunk and nobody likes yeah. him. And he lives in a trailer, he lives in a trailer. And he's an outcast. He's an outcast. Um, um, he will eventually join the AA meetings. Right. Though. Exactly. Yeah. So I just wanted to yeah, say no, that no, no, because that's these are like all the important people that come into play. And so, Eventually, I mean, and I thought it was just a lot, like just the fucking lovely, brilliant scene, the way it was told. Um, Father Paul goes and sits in the confessional booth mm-hmm. and he has, my God, like a nine minute monologue yeah, where he is confessing that he lied right. to the church, mm-hmm. to the congregation. And through his monologue and... I mean, wood cuttings. It's the, you know, it's the, the stations of the cross. Yes. It's when you go to church and they're all, they're different in every church, but it was so fucking brilliant. Yeah. It's part of what I loved, uh, just the little tiny details of, of mass and the church. And it's through the little, when you go to church and you're sitting in the pews 
there are, what is it, 14 or 15 stations, Michael? I can't remember. It's like 14 stations of the cross that tell the story from the time he was, Christ was condemned by Pontius Pilate all the way to his death. Man, I remember Not, more. Yeah, to him getting crucified. It's him getting, it's like, and it's just like little etchings, And you right? go, you can go walk the stations of the cross on Good Friday. And, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And so through these hymns in the confessional, and then these like wood etching stations yeah. of the cross, we get the story of how Monsignor Pruitt yeah. went to the Holy Land. Yeah, and we, we get little glimpses of that as well. Right. And so should we say what happened? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we okay. have Okay, so like, he goes to the Holy Land, and he's at the Wailing Wall, and, and then he is on the road to Damascus, Damascus. And he, right? And he is not, he even says he was he was far sicker than anyone realized. Right. He doesn't know half the time. He doesn't know where he is. Right. And so right. he stumbles. He stumbles. Uh, yes. Yeah, he, he stumbles onto this, into the desert. Yeah. Even like, and there's a, a wind and all this stuff. And he comes across this cave. And he takes refuge. And yeah. he takes refuge in the cave. And there is something in the cave. Yeah. And the K, and then it turns out to be what he thinks yeah. is an angel. Is an angel, and it's the whoever Designed. created the design of of the angel, angel. monster um, should win every award. Yeah, because it's pure white. Um, it has bat like wings. Bat like wings. And so he's Father Paul is confessing to. God, right, mm -hmm. in the confessional, telling this story about Father Pruitt and then telling that that he meets what he believes is an angel. Right. Um, that we know. Is it, a demon yeah, or a vampire a yeah. or whatever, a Nosferatu. Um, and, so, and it's important to say, like, I, I, uh, I don't know. It's important to say, like, if you don't know the story of Saul. Yes. Right? So Saul was a Pharisee who was a persecutor of Christians. Yeah. And on the road to Damascus, he was on the road to Damascus to go arrest some Christians. Yes. Right. When a storm happened mm -hmm. and the resurrected Christ appeared to him and converted him. Like you do. Like you do. And so he changed his name to Paul, Paul. Yeah. and became an apostle, not one of the 12 original. Right. But- but he fucking, he joined that team and he, then he went hardcore. Yeah, man. I mean. So it's important that Father Pruitt becomes Father becomes Paul. Becomes Father Paul because he was saved on the road to Damascus. Right. And I, like, I get the feeling that Monsignor Pruitt, I mean, I don't know, man, the older you get, I noticed this in my father. I mean, he, he remained Catholic, I think, I'm going to say this and I hope nobody in my family gets upset when I say this as if they listen to my podcast, <laughs> but like. I think he remained Catholic more to to please my mother. Sure. Right? But I think as he got older, he kind of was like, none of that's really important. It's important that you believe in God, but none of that is like super, super, super important. And I feel, I get the feeling, maybe I'm wrong, tell me what you think, that Monsignor Pruitt was beginning to lose it. Like was yeah. beginning to kind of lose faith and lose- Yes. No, definitely. Question- his place in this community. Yeah. And also I think he had been sent on this trip completely ill-equipped. I mean, he was not mentally like he was already starting to suffer from right. dementia 
or, or something like that. Yeah. And he believes in this cave. He sees an angel and the angel feasts on him <laughs> feasts, and then feeds him his it's, own blood. It's blood and he is made young. Yeah. He's made young. <laughs> and so by the end of episode three, we are f- in full vampire legend territory right through the guise of it being an angel right he thinks he says i will take this angel back with me yes and revive the church yes and so he comes back to a dying island a dying church a dying community and this miracle what he Mm -hmm. believes to be a miracle at least at the time he believes it will resurrect the, the, the church and the community and the island. Okay, so I have a question. I mean, like, there's so much to talk about here. We can we can straight up talk about the effects and the acting and the art direction yeah, and the right. Yeah, it's all and great. It's like, it's all great. But there's so much more. So I have a, a I have a big question for sure. you. Sure. Right? Do you believe, do you think <laughs> that Father Paul really believes what he is saying about this angel or is he deluding himself and making excuses for his own selfish reasons? I think the latter. I think, I think when he was old, when he was uh, Monsignor, when he mm-hmm. was Monsignor Pruitt in the cave, I think he did believe he saw an angel because he was not... In his right in mind. In his right mind. Also, what the fuck? Right. <laughs> I mean, we can all be like, it's so obviously a vampire. Yeah, that shit's not real. That shit's not real. So. <laughs> I angels. Right, exactly. But in the Bible, angels are terrifying. So, right, so it makes perfect yeah, sense. Yeah, they, they don't look like the little Hallmark, right. naked, eight-year-old child that love yeah. is. No. They're terrifying. They're terrifying. And the seraphim have eyes all over them. Right. It's and fucking horrifying. Who would know that but a priest? Sure. And so in that state of mind, he is clearly going to die in right. this horrible sandstorm, right? Mm-hmm. This thing saves him. It's a miracle. Yeah. It makes him young. So I think in that moment, yes. I think when he is young again, no. I mean, I think he is deluding himself. And I think it takes him all of, I mean, I think his arc is finally admitting that. Right. And there's a a real sadness to it. If we're, if we're completely jumping around, which also is, I think something that is, you, you know, early, you you can pick up early on. You can pick up early on. He is Annabeth Gish, the doctor. He's her father. Right. And, um, loved her mother. Right. But because of the vocation he chose, could not um, be with her. Could not be with her. It's so I I loved that scene so much. I love that scene so much when they're finally. Here's the other thing. Oh my God! Is that you know part of what priests do is that they go to people's houses who cannot go to church. Yes. And and do church and do communion for yeah. them. They do church for them. So he's been going to Annabeth Gish's house to do church for the sick mom. Yeah. And has been giving her communion. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> so. The mom has been getting better yeah. and better, like yeah. little by little, until she finally, he walks in the room and she's finally able and she goes, oh my God. Yeah. Right? I thought I was dreaming. I thought I was dreaming. And they have this conversation, right? They yes. have this conversation and 
Well, it's towards the end when they have the conversation, but it's so beautiful because he goes, I loved you so much. This is why I stayed on the island. And you need to know that I would have, the second that you would have asked me to, I would have left the church and I would have come to you. Right. right. And we could have gone off together. And the mom goes, that was never going to, to happen, happen because I was never going to ruin four lives. Yeah. And, and she knows it would. So she lied to her daughter about mm-hmm. who the father lied was. She lied to her. Yeah. And so look, I, I the, and, and he's obviously, okay. I want, I do want to say this. There is a glaring thing that, that I think, I mean, has upset some people. I think it is Flanagan telling you what's coming. Right. It is so obvious in episodes one and two and three, really one and two, that younger actors are wearing old age makeup. Oh yeah. Henry Thomas, the mom. The mom. Annabeth uh, Gish's mom. Annabeth Gish's mother to me is the most obvious because right. you can tell this woman is actually like significantly younger than Annabeth Gish. Right. Who I think is probably our age. Yeah. Fucking X-Files. Fuck yeah. Um, I know pe- that's upset some people. Like the makeup's so bad. I'm like, he is, he- He's not. He's nodding as to what is about to happen. Right. He's not hiding it. And so to me, the makeup was a clue early on right. that Father Paul was. was Oh, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Monsignor Pruitt. Absolutely. I mean, the um, second you see Henry Thomas, you're like. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, Henry Thomas is 50. Well, also, yeah, he's exactly. Like, I think he's only nine years older than the actor playing Riley. <laughs> you know, I mean. And the mother is, is even younger than Henry Thomas. Right. So, uh. As the Annabeth Gish's mother is taking communion, you, the makeup starts. Yeah, to I mean, go. It, but but it's clear in episode. It's really clear in episode one that this show is going to be about rebirth, yes. rejuvenation. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, he's putting his blood in the wine. Yes, like that's the thing. It wasn't like Flanagan was like, wouldn't it be fucking weird if right. But this is, you brought, okay, I do want to go back to Damascus real quick. The mm-hmm. road to Damascus, which is is so obviously the way it's shot, so obviously a nod to the exorcist. Oh my God. And Father Marin yeah. seeing Pazuzu. And I thought there was an added beauty to that because you have Hamish Linklater mm-hmm. playing a much older man. Right. And Max- That's true. Max von Sydow, I know I have brought this up, but just to remind you, Max von Sydow was 44 years old- When he played when Father When he Marin. played Father Marin, which is fucking staggering. Yeah. Because I just rewatched it. And it works. And I still- cannot wrap my mind around it. I still think he's like old Father Marin. And I think that Flanagan is doing that on purpose. There is a Father Marin parallel there in much more than just the makeup. Yes. You have like two old priests, Yes, right? Who are in the Holy Land, Uh who are on the road to Damascus. (laughs) One of them is faced with Pazuzu and rejects it yes, and says, no, even if I have to reject the priesthood, yeah. even if I have to reject everything, even that if I've I have been, to die, even if I have to die, I do not accept you Pazuzu. I will right. not let you win. And then we have this other priest who accepts the demon, who accepts the demon, yeah. no matter for what reason. Right. And I think like John sent me this like long involved text, like two days after we finished the show. Uh-huh. He said, this is what I think about Midnight Mass. We thought about it for a long time. Yeah. He was like, if you love somebody, do not be a fucking coward. Yeah. And tell the world that you love that person. And if the thing that you are 
or the thing that you do doesn't let you love that person, then leave that thing. Yeah. That is the lie. That to me, I, that's, I think that's, that to me is the overall theme of, that is one of the major themes of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, And what, what is the sadness of Monsignor Pruitt slash father Paul and Annabeth Gish's mother. Um, it's absurd that they couldn't be together. They, right. lo- they loved each other. They had a child that, and, and he essentially is, is wanting a redo on his life. Yeah. Um, and this, I mean, I think if like, that's eventually what it becomes about. Like, yeah, he is saying, I want to come back and rejuvenate the community and come back Catholic church. Remember that campaign? Yes. Uh, and I think that's exactly what he's doing. Come right, back sure. to Catholic church. But I think at a much deeper level, what he wants is a redo. Yes. Because he, he, he missed out. He gave his life to a vocation that doesn't allow him to, to to have a family. I mean, that's the thing. It's funny. Like I saw someone who was like, oh, I, oh, it's all just, oh, he just, it's about sex. I was like, it's not just about sex. It's not just that priests are quote celibate. I know not all of them are. And that's a whole other thing. They don't have the opportunity to have a partner to, have if a they family. want have children. Right. Um, and to have that type of, fa- it's not and just that yet, they can't fuck y'all. And yet they are supposed to be able to counsel yes. people who are married, who have yes. family. How, how it's absurd. It's absurd. It's how can a person absurd. who cannot have that experience <clears throat> have the ability to counsel people who are in that situation? It's fucking ridiculous. And for what? Yeah, I, for, for what? what? I still don't no. understand. Because is it because of this false idea that Jesus was celibate? Right. Even if Jesus existed, right? right? Which he may or may not have. I don't know. But even if he did, his best friend was a lady, y'all. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, it's absurd. There's nowhere. Yeah, it's fucking absurd. And so I think in Bev Keen and in Father Paul, <clears throat> you see some Super of sad. You see some of the like. Wh- but why is this part of the church? <laughs> right. Um, and wouldn't, if, if father Paul had been allowed to marry this woman that he loved and raise this daughter, uh, none of this would have happened. None of this would have happened. And, um, so to me, that's like, I think you're right. Exactly what you and John were saying. If you, if, if you tell the world, you love the person, um, to me, I mean, another theme is, uh, anyone who, Anyone who thinks they understand the nature of the universe is an absolute fucking fool. Right. Um, and at the end of the day, all of your hymns and all of your prayers hopefully can bring you peace. Mm-hmm. Uh but they are nothing in the face of true power. Right. And that to me is what I sort of took away. Uh, because we start to move in in a direction where you're like, Death is the only fucking constant. Right. That's it. It's going to happen. And there's a there's that really beautiful scene between Riley and Aaron where they talk about what is death? What yeah. happens after, after death? you die? And you get to now it's important to say also that Mike Flanagan wrote this with his, his brother, brother, right? Yeah. And his brother is still very much Catholic. Yeah. Mike Flanagan, and Flanagan is, not. is not. And so you get both of these, you get both views yeah, in you, there. You have the atheist uh-huh. and the 
and the still faithful debate, not even debating, just talking yeah, about just what saying they think. What, what they think heaven is, what they think the afterlife is. And yeah. it's really beautiful. Can we talk about how people are also upset that there's so many monologues? In yeah. Show? People have, I've seen this on social it's media so a lot. They're like, Mike Flanagan Loves really monologue. likes monologues, bro, bro, bro. And I'm like, he's got seven episodes, y'all. Yeah. And he's also half of this show is this sort of one of the core philosophical debates in the world. Yeah. Uh, is there a God? What happens after you die? I mean, these right. are huge fucking questions. It is funny though. Like I remember in, in not in playwriting where they're like monologue to your heart's content, but in screenwriting and television writing classes, it, it usually is frowned upon. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're talking about like, it's a visual medium and how do we shoot a monologue? Well, he figures out how to shoot it. He figures out <laughs> how to, <laughs> don't it's, worry about and it. And it's a testament to him as a filmmaker. I really admire filmmakers who are like, this is a rule. Fuck it. I'm going to do it yeah, anyway. And, and I don't care. He, had some beautiful monologues in Hill House. Um, so mm -hmm. it wasn't surprising to me. Yeah, I didn't. Episode three in the boat. Yeah. I, oh, no. Is it episode? It's episode, episode five. five is the boat. Yeah. Oh, God. But episode, uh, you know, there is the episode titled Lamentations, which is when they, because, um, you know, every episode is titled after a book of the Bible. Uh, but episode, I think it's three or four, four is, I think, Lamentations, where mm -hmm. they have the debate what happens when you die. Right. What is heaven? Is there a God? All that stuff. The monologues work, y'all. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. They do. Um, if you want them to trim them up, okay. Okay. But Con I mean. But contextually, they work. Yeah. I mean, like, he, the priest monologues in church. Yeah. The monologues, at, they both monologue at the AA meeting. Yeah. Um, this is. Riley and Aaron are having a night in when they're just hanging out, talking on the couch, talking yeah. about life and death. They have a monologue. Yeah. It, it makes sense. And especially yeah, it's, it's a priest giving mass. Like, of course, oh, man. of those, course he has those, those details of the mass were perfect. like perfect. Perfect. Yeah. <sighs> um, and so I, I, you know, we had talked about, do we want to do two episodes, one episode? I, I don't know. It's to I me, don't know. it's so big. It's so big. It would take, you could do a whole season and uh, we could do an entire series just on midnight on mass. each episode. But to me, it, it's, yeah, it's about those things, like what you and John were saying. Mm -hmm. It is about also, I think, yeah, man, you don't, none of us, if there, whether there's a God or not, you still can't comprehend the nature of the universe. You know, even if you're an atheist, which I am, like I don't consider myself agnostic, even though people say like, well, you can't possibly know for sure. Fine, whatever. I'm 99.999% sure there's not a God. Um, do I understand how the universe works? No, fuck no. No. No, and anyone religious or irreligious, uh, or a-religious, whatever you want to call it, um, no one does. I think no, that's what yeah, Flanagan's and I like saying. That, that's part of it also. That's part of what makes those sermons like so, I don't want to use the word insidious, but like, you know, I, I mean, I've sat, the, the sermons are so authentic. They're so real. I mean, like I've heard some of those words. You've heard some of those words said to you in mass. And knowing what he is talking about in the show, right? Yeah. Cause he's saying one thing and everybody's receiving it. Like, yes, God is a miracle. God is yeah. life. God is the resurrection and the light. And they are witnessing miracles. And they're witnessing miracles and all this stuff. But you know, as a viewer that he's talking about 
fucking vampirism. Yeah, like, man. <laughs> and so it makes it all the more insidious. It makes it all the more kind of like, man, I fucking sat in church and listened to these same sermons. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, I don't... I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I can't even... I can't even describe what I I'm mean, talking about. I mean, and I... About. You know, I think... I think he makes both sides of the argument. Um, I think probably because he did work on it with his brother uh, or just because he can, because he's a yeah. smart dude. Like I could argue the other side. Sure. I could sit here and tell you why there is a God. I don't, wouldn't believe it, but I could come up with a fucking argument. I for wouldn't it. believe you. Cause I know you. Yeah. But I, so he, he offered, I don't think this is just about, I don't think he, this is a show about condemning, belief or faith or, or, or non-faith or, or non-faith. non-belief. Yeah. I do think it condemns religious obsession mm-hmm. and religion that is inherently exclusionary. Right. Um, and, and we get that, we get all of that in Bev Keen. Yes. Like we haven't even talked. I mean, there, I mean, you could do a whole dissertation yeah, just on, Bev, on Keen. Bev Keen. And I will say, I remember texting you after I finished it and saying, how I, and I think this says a lot about me. I'm sorry, y'all, but like I, I, I wanted in the moment, in the moment, I understand now, but in the moment, I really wanted to see Bev Keen get torn apart <laughs> by the angel. Like right. I wanted to see her really, really get it in front of everybody, and she doesn't. No, I, I see, and I, I just, I actually think her death is far worse than that. Well. And now thinking about it, right? I I agree with you. Yeah. But in the moment, sure. I really wanted to see her get it. You want that cathartic? I like, want that tear cathartic, like tear her yeah. fucking body apart. But what she does get is so appropriate and ten thousand times sadder. Yeah, I mean for her. Yeah, she dies in a, in complete, completely alone and in fear and desperately trying to hide and witnessing <laughs> witnessing two people who are not of her faith yeah. meeting the same end completely at, at peace. peace and together yeah. and with love. Yeah. And I think to me, that's a, a far harsher thing than, than it's not as viscerally satisfying, but it's, it's, I think it's actually much like, Oh God. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and look, even the end of this thing, I mean, we could just, everybody, everybody fucking dies. That's everyone what, dies. That's what happens. Everyone dies except the two little kids right. who you could say are, are Noah on the boat or Adam and Eve. But to me that their ending is tragic as well. Yeah. She they, they lose everybody. Yeah. And, and one, the first miracle you witness is her ability to walk again and she loses that ability. And she loses that ability. Because when they kill the demon vampire angel, everything it did goes away. Right. So you have two kids who have lost everything. The last line of midnight mass is, I can't feel my legs. Right. Credits. Yeah, that's it. Like, and really like, just like hard out. Yeah. Um, I don't, it, 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 it to me is like obsession all of this, that this is all it leads to is decay and death. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, des- and destruction. It destroys everyone. Even those who have wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> because like you said, death is the one 
That's constant. It. It's the only fucking constant. We're, we're, we're all gonna die. Yeah. We are all gonna die, y'all. You can. And there's 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 there's, there's no vampire. There's no blood. vampire blood. There's no resurrection. There's no. I mean, and if you personally believe, I'm gonna live forever in heaven. I I respect that and great. But here on this earth, yeah, we're all gonna die. Yeah, I mean, in Riley's take on that in sort of the humanist sense is that then his energy will be distributed in the plants and the animals Mm -hmm. and all that. And so in some way you do live on, right? but not in this form. And I think Flanagan, I love this, that they're, they're singing a hymn at the end and the hymn cuts out before the last line. Right. And so in, again, I keep coming back to in the face of real power, whether that's God or the universe or whatever, your hymns do nothing. Right. So use them to bring you peace and happiness. They're not going to fend off anything. Right. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I really loved it. Um, it is one of the few things I remember being so Catholic that Aspen also loved. Um, part of it gave her a chance to sort of say like, yeah, your religion is as dumb as vampires. And I was like, (laughs) yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing less stupid about this belief than believing in vampires. Yeah. That's my takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I yeah, I, no. I can't I can't pretend. No, no, it's Be- true. You read the Bible and you're like, great. Wow. How is this different? Right. Faith, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, no, we I mean, I keep going back to like when we did that play at the theater center about the Bible and like everybody got up and argued in the talk back about this or that. And there was this old Jewish couple sitting in the front row and he, the old man got up and he goes, well, this is our book actually. (laughs) Nice play y'all. This is our book. And even we know it's just make believe. And like that brought, it was like, all right, thank you for coming everybody. Good night night, y'all. We'll be here all week. Oh, did you just have to face the truth? Oh, we should run that you stole this other religion's book and made it your own. Um, Exactly. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, I I really like Midnight Mass. I think Flanagan is at his best in television um, in the long form. Yeah. I really loved it too. I mean, there's too much to talk about you guys. So like, we'd love to hear your opinions about it. This is what episode is this? We're on episode. This is 98. 98. We are closing in. We're so close. I don't know what we're going to talk about next time, but we are hoping to go see Halloween Halloween and make Halloween our 100th episode. Halloween kills. It might bring back, I don't know. It might bring back uh, Alamo theater chicken tenders. Yeah, it might. This might, might finally be the moment. Might Um, finally be the moment to go do that. We don't know. Yeah. We also still have shout outs to do. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to the shout outs for the Halloween episode. Yeah. We promise by then. And, um, a lot of stuff coming. We'll let you know. Yep. Patreon, YouTube, it's all happening. (laughs) All right. Thank y'all for joining us and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.